save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 330 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson, with me again this week, the guru of Reds minor leagues, and RedLegNation.com, our friend Doug Gray. Welcome back, Doug. How are you? I'm good, Chad. How you doing? Doing well. Doing well. You know, the last few months have been difficult for all of us as baseball fans and, and as Reds fans. And, you know, just me in particular, I've struggled pretty hard on providing fresh content here on the podcast every week and for our, our friends over at Patreon because there's not been a whole lot to talk about. But we are inching ever closer and by the way, I hope you're all appreciative of uh, how creative I tried to get to fill uh, all these hours. I know you needed to be entertained. But we're getting ever closer to actual baseball, maybe, as players set or uh, reported this week to their respective cities around Major League Baseball, including the Cincinnati Reds. So uh, we're about to have spring training two electric boogaloo, right? Is that the official name they're going with? Because I like it. I think it should be. Uh, well, I'm, I'm with you. We Hold on, guys. Does anybody have a trademark on that one? Can we? Yeah, let's we get some t- get some T-shirts going. All right. You know, some su- souvenir coffee mugs, something. Yeah. So summer camp is what some are calling it. But uh, what are we going to see here in this uh, in this spring training 2.0? I mean, we're probably not going to see much of anything because it's closed off to the general public. True. Um, but I mean, hopefully, we see nobody getting injured, nobody getting sick. And everybody being ready to go on July 23rd or 24th, whenever opening day happens to be for the Reds. Now, I want to talk about, you mentioned no way to getting sick, and I do want to talk about that before we go into the actual analysis of the roster. Now, for those of you that are our supporters at uh, Patreon, uh, Jason Lennon and I, after the, the rosters, the 60-man, well, so up to 60-man rosters were announced, uh, Jason and I over on Patreon, we uh, sort of broke it down, and so I'm going to try not to repeat myself too much for for everyone here, but I do want to really take a look at what the, because it was an interesting roster uh, reveal, basically, and a lot, lot to talk about there. But first, there was a report today that the Reds have had two players in the organization test positive for COVID-19. Don't have the names. They're not going to release the names. That's just the MLB policy, and it's also a federal law. But these players evidently were tested outside of Cincinnati and are not in Cincinnati now. So that's you know, that is what it is. Uh, any thoughts about that, Doug? Well, because I'm a psychopath, um, I've eliminated 17 players that I know that it's not because they are in Cincinnati. Um, but no, I don't I don't really have too much. I mean, it's we've seen it in all, all the sports that have opened up. Guys are going to test positive. I mean, it, it's it's going to be there. And I mean, it's happening, um, you know, in, in hockey. It's happening in MLS soccer. Uh, I mean, if you just have let's say 57 baseball players, it's bound to show up in a few of those too. I mean, it's, it's just, it's out there. Um, it's, you just hope that, you know, one, if the guys do get it, that they don't spread it to anybody who 
is going to truly be affected by it and that they recover and, you know, return it 100 percent. Yeah, absolutely. Now, obviously, as we've talked about before, the players do have a choice to opt out of the 2020 season, really, uh, for whatever reason they like it, essentially. But uh, as of now, nobody has opted out for the Reds. Although I did see that, uh, I saw that you reported at Red Leg Nation that uh, Mike Leak, our old buddy, has opted out. I hadn't seen that until I read that at Red Leg Nation. But, uh, but no Reds have opted out. And so, you know, I guess we are where we are at this point. Uh, I know a lot of the players are on their social media accounts are talking about how excited they are to be actually back to baseball. And I think we share that, uh, that excitement, right? I mean, I, I, I'm cautiously optimistic that we're going to get to see some baseball this year, Chad. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. You know, the way I'm approaching it is we don't know what's going to happen, you know, and I don't want to talk about the, uh, the, the pessimistic view of what might happen the rest of the way. What we what we know that now is that there are going to be 60 games as, as of right now, they're planning to play 60 games and I'll take it. And even better, the Cincinnati Reds are odds-on favorites to win the uh, or to finish atop the National League Central. Let me put it that way, right? And as far as I know, the two largest sports books in America have them with the most wins in the National League Central. Now I say that um, with the uh, the little asterisk that they've pretty much got them tied with both the Cubs and the Cardinals at the very top. So, you know, every single game counts always in a 162-game season, but it really counts in a 60-game season. So Yeah, the National League Central eh. could be really fun this year. Uh, you said the, the Cubs, Cardinals, and Reds are all, you know, projected a little above 30 wins. They got the Brewers projected right at 30 wins if you look at the uh, Caesars Sportsbook. And thankfully, the, the Pittsburgh Pirates are way down at the bottom. Is, <laughs> that's always, that's always, always fun to see, right? It is. Yeah, It just, uh, you know, in these uh, strange times that are difficult, uh, you know, it gives a little bit of a... You know, a lift to the spirit to see the Pittsburgh Pirates struggling. It's it's, it's kind of what we all need to bring us together as uh, as a, as humanity. You know, something we can all get behind. I, I'm all for it. So we talk about uh, you know the we knew before the season that the National Central was going to be tight, but you know just looking at that and uh, obviously it's just it's the sports books, although they're pretty good at at uh, projecting things generally, but. You know, it, in a 60-game season, we've talked about how, in our last episode, we talked about how crazy things could get in such a short season. You know, somebody, somebody may hit 400. You know, lots of some team that you expect to be bad is going to get hot and they're going to going to do well. But really, you have in a 60-game season with the teams this closely bunched. I don't know how you even project the National League Central. The Reds could win it going away. The Reds could finish in last. Frankly, I don't want to say it. I don't want, didn't want to say that out loud, but. It's not unreasonable. You just we don't have any idea, do we? And I think that's kind of the way you have to approach this: is it's going to be crazy. Let's just enjoy it, right? Yeah, I mean, there's so many unknown factors that go into, particularly this season with everything that's going on. That I mean, even a team like the Dodgers, who everybody feels is the best team in baseball, they're the deepest team in baseball. They've got a bunch of stars. I mean, you just don't know. You you really have no idea. I mean, think about it. Last year, the Washington Nationals won the World Series. They wouldn't have made the playoffs if they were if it was based on the first sixty games right. of the year. I mean, it, it, an injury or two, or in this case, an illness or two to the right players is totally going to ruin your season this year. Even if they're only out for two or three weeks, because I mean, at, at this point, that's a quarter of the season. Right? Yeah. No, there's gonna be crazy things that happen. And you talk about the Dodgers. Yeah, they were clearly, I think, the best team in baseball coming in, and still, you have to consider them the best team in baseball. But a big part of why they're the best team is something you just said: they're deep. A lot of depth, especially in pitching, and 
That's really important in a 162-game season. Uh, depth is probably, I don't, you know, I don't know how to quantify it, but it's definitely going to be less important in a 60-game season because as, as Chris Garber and I discussed last week, in a 60-game season, you're probably going to be playing your top eight, well, top nine with the DH. They're going to be in the lineup as often as you can get them in. There are going to be fewer opportunities for some of those uh, fringe players to actually get on the field because every game is going to be so important. Is that something you see uh, happening is that your starters are really going to play as much as they can uh, physically play? Yes and no. I think that you're 100% correct when it comes to the position guys. Now, here's something that I actually heard on MLB Network Radio yesterday, which I don't know about everybody else, but it's free this week for me, so thanks, guys. Um, but they were talking about how you know, the, the Cincinnati Reds might actually be very beneficial because of their middle relief depth. And because you know starting pitchers aren't going to be asked to go five, six, seven innings, particularly in the first month of the season, the teams that have that strong middle relief are going to have a very big advantage over teams that don't. And they singled out the Reds with, you know, all the depth they've got relief-wise. Um, you know, they could really pick up the, you know, the, the slack, so to speak, for the starting pitchers. Um, and so they, you know, the point they were making is, you know, the Reds have good starting pitching. So, you know, innings one through four are going to look pretty good. And then, you know, even for other teams that have, you know, a bunch of good starters, who they go to after that probably doesn't stack up quite as well as the Reds. Uh, I, I think that that's where the depth, particularly for a team like the Reds, really comes into play, and it's a little bit more important for them than it is for us some other teams. Yeah, and that's something that is going to maybe uh, increase in importance, uh, frankly, because over a 162 game season. Because you know, I mean, you need good middle relief, obviously, but now you know, we've all, we've talked for years. We've kind of complained about starters not going deep into games for most of this season, maybe the entire season. Starters are not going to be going deep into games at all, and, and with every, again, with every game being so important. Managers are likely to have a, a quicker hook. I'm just looking forward to seeing what crazy thing happens with the awards. Like, I'm, I'm going to call it now. I think Anthony DiSclefani is going to win the Cy Young. Or somebody of that ilk is going to get really hot and play great and, you know, 60 games. They'll win the Cy Young. That's the stuff I'm looking forward to. But yeah, I mean, f- f- 55 innings from a starting pitcher is going to win the Cy Young, and he's going to have three wins. That's my guess. Yeah, really. So, uh, I'd love to see a guy like Disco win that, but... Anyway, the Reds are going to be in the mix. We know that. How upset, I mean, how, let me propose something to you. I said a moment ago I didn't want to get pessimistic, and I'm not. I'm just proposing something to you because this is what the Reds do to us. We have a season where the Reds are projected to be really good. And so, of course, we get smacked. Uh, The whole world gets smacked with this pandemic, and it's uh, maybe small beans in the context of larger issues, but we don't get Reds baseball in a year where they're finally going to be good again. What happens if the Reds come out like they have the last couple of years and start, you know, one and eight? The season's over after, you know, a week and a half, right? I mean, you, you can't recover in a year like this. Chad, you're not wrong. I've had this thought privately to myself. I wasn't going to say it out loud, but I guess you did first, so I just, I'll just i throw this out there. I, I've seen people, you know, constantly say, you know, we finally going to get red meaning, like meaningful Reds baseball in August. And the first thing that I thought when that went through my mind, not if they start one and six. Right. Because at that point, this season is over. Yeah, I mean, uh, sh- short of going, you know, forty-three and seven the rest of the way, your season is over if you get off to a poor start. Now, like, there's there's no recovering. There's not enough time. Yeah, you've got to at least tread water out of the gate, or you just you're gonna put yourself in such a hole that you're not gonna have enough time to get through. But let me just say this: we are now in the first week of July, and your Cincinnati Reds are tied for first place in the National League Central. How Under- how all long have we waited for that? I mean, I've been waiting for it my whole life. I can't speak for everybody else, but I've been waiting my whole life. That's really sad. 
but it's true. So anyway, yeah, um, I don't want to think about the Redskins, although they've started slowly, you know, in many seasons recently. Of course, that was partially because they really stunk in those seasons. So this week, though, the Major League Baseball teams uh, were required to announce their Spring Training 2 Electric Boogaloo rosters. And for those of you that have been paying attention, you know this, but essentially teams have two separate facilities that are training at. The Reds are training at Great American Ballpark and out at Prasco Park. And if you heard our last episode, Chris uh, Garber and I had a lot of fun discussing uh, Prasco Park and how you could maybe sneak in if you were a catch-up engineer or something. But uh, that'd be the only way to get in. And I want to talk about these rosters and who made the rosters and what it means. And the first thing that stuck out to me are the players that didn't make the roster. One of those, make either roster. Again, it was the 60 men was the most you could put on the on the roster. The Reds only put 57. And general manager Nick Crawl basically said, well, we're trying to maintain some flexibility and some guys can be added later. And I get it. But one of the names that really surprised me was Derek Dietrich. Not that Derek Dietrich is a, a, a great player uh, by any stretch of the, of the imagination, but you'd think on a 60-man roster, he's one of the guys in the, in the organization. Were you as surprised by that as I was? I really was. Uh, you know, he he didn't have a great second half last year. His spring wasn't exactly great this year. But, I mean, if you look at the 60-man roster, on what planet can you try and convince me that Christian Cologne is a better option than Derek Dietrich? Right. And what I about... mean, Christian Cologne, I mean, the, the only saving grace that he could you could make there is that, you know, yeah, in an absolute pinch, he could play shortstop. But, I mean, if you're going to use Christian Cologne as your shortstop, you've already used six different options. Yeah. So what does it matter at that point? That's, that's the, yeah, that's the one that surprised me. Yeah, yeah, that really jumped out at me. And uh, it also surprised me that, uh, well, first of all, he couldn't even get on the Prasco Park roster, which was amazing to me. And it was sort of surprising because Matt Davidson made the Great American Ballpark roster. Can you give me any idea what the Reds could be thinking about there? I mean, if you if you believe what the Reds are saying, the roster that you're on right now doesn't matter. It's not the big league club versus the taxi squad. Um, now, do I believe them when they say that? No, not really. No, I don't either. Because if you if you look at everybody at the Great American Ballpark roster, every single person that you expected to make the Reds guaranteed was on that roster, and everybody who you thought had a shot of you know battling out for one of those final bullpen spots or bench spots is on that roster, with the lone exception of you know. <sighs> Hold that thought because I want to talk to you in a minute about the the players on the that, Prasco that, Park that, roster. That other player, okay, yeah. That are, I mean, pretty much, pretty much, it's like you know, you, it, there, it seems like there's a very clear like difference between the two teams outside of one or two players. Derek Dietrich was, I agree, yeah. Derek Dietrich was the first uh, omission that surprised me. The second thing that surprised me, or maybe didn't surprise me, but I was hopeful to see Hunter Green's name on the uh on one of these rosters just uh, because you know Hunter Green needs needs some uh some action. And I think the Reds came out and said uh, I believe Nick Kroll said essentially, well, he's still going through, he's still working out, you know, he's still in in the process of recovering and obviously we've seen I'll let you talk about what we've seen him do on social media, but although I, Hunter Green and I and social media don't really don't really interact too well. But um if you don't know that story then just don't go look it up. But <laughs> He said essentially he could be here at some point. Is that pretty much the way you uh, you understood it? And uh, were you surprised that he wasn't on there now? 
Yes, that is basically what Nick Crawl had said. Um, and yes, I was very surprised he wasn't on there. And I'll, I'll go into why now, since you kind of you laid it up there for me. I get to slam dunk at home now. <laughs> Do it. Uh, so Hunter Green is, you know, in my opinion, he's a, he's a red top prospect. Yeah. He's coming off of Tommy John surgery, headed on April 9th of 2019. So he's now nearly 15 months out of Tommy John surgery. Um, about two weeks ago, he posted a video on his Instagram feed of him throwing 102 miles per hour, Chad. That's fast. That's fast. Um, Hunter Green's back. He's healthy. He's ready to go. Uh, I mean, if you're throwing 102 miles an hour and you're not ready to go, I don't want to know what ready to go is for you. Um, so clearly he's able to pitch right now. He's done with his rehab. He's, he's good. Uh, in a shortened season, you tell me that that's not a guy that is among the best 60 pitcher players on your, you know, or in your organization. You're telling me the guy, you couldn't bring up a guy and, you know, mid September maybe. And you know what? We're in the playoff race. We're going to bring up a guy who throws 102 miles per hour and see what happens. You know, that reminds me of. Let's cast our eyes back to 2010. All the upstart Cincinnati Reds were on their way to winning the National League Central Division for the first time in 100,000 years. And we were all naive. We thought that good times were going to stay here forever in Cincinnati. And at the end of that season, the Reds brought up a younger Raldis Chapman for his first taste of the big leagues, throwing 105 miles an hour. And I had visions in my head of Hunter Green being this guy coming up and, you know, just being sort of a, not necessarily a hammer at the back of the bullpen because Chapman wasn't the closer from day one, but somebody that could come up and really uh, make an impact. Now, the uh, the objections to that that have been lodged to me is that, number one, we're already late in the season. You know, there's not really, they're, they're going to expand the rosters in September. So, you know, that's how Chapman got brought up. But but still, I'm like you. I, I just had visions of a guy like that could absolutely help a team that's fighting for a playoff spot in the last, you know, three weeks of the season. That's and, but but I expect that he's going to be in either Cincinnati or Mason, Ohio, at some point. Am I am I wrong to believe that? I don't think so. I I, I would be very very surprised if he does not make his way to Mason at some point when, uh, once the season starts. Um, one, I, I think that you know there is the development aspect of it. Um, but two, you know, I like we just discussed. I think that he, there's a real legitimate chance that he could be one of the best 26 players ready to go uh, relatively soon. I mean, especially if you're going to use him in, in the bullpen. I mean, the, the plan was this year that around the start of June, they were going to send him out to Dayton or Daytona and work as a starter, you know, for a couple innings at a time and kind of piggyback him with another starter. Anyway, so they were going to take it a little bit easy on him. Yeah. Well, you know, send him out there every two or three days or every three or four days and just let him pitch an inning in the big league. See what happens. I, I can't see a downside if he's fully healthy and he appears to be uh... – in that neighborhood, so that's that's fantastic, and I'm wishing nothing but the best of luck for Hunter Green, and I hope he never hurts his arm again. There, I said it. Now, the a third thing, the first was uh, Derek Dietrich, the second was Hunter Green. The third thing that jumped out at me on these rosters, and uh, after I thought about it for a moment, I, I said, well, I kind of understand this decision, but still, it was kind of surprising. Again, I'm kind of going at it like this: uh, the Prasco Park roster is the is the taxi squad, but Aristides Aquino was not on the Great American Ballpark roster. And I fully expected him to be because, you know, there's 35 guys that are training at Great American Ballpark. Aquino, obviously, with the great uh, end of the season last year and made such a mark on uh, on the fan base and on the organization after changing his swing up. And we know the story. We've talked about Aquino at length on this podcast. We all love him. He was not on the 35-man roster. And 
you know, Mark Payton was. And I thought, well, you know, how's Mark Payton over Aristides Aquino? Then it occurred to me, well, obviously Mark Payton's a Rule 5 guy. He's got to stay on the big league roster. they got to at least uh, try him, you know, on the big league roster and see if he can make it before, or they have to send him back to uh, uh, Oakland, right? I guess Oakland. Yeah. Yeah, And so I guess that made sense. But it still was kind of surprising to see, see Aquino on that Prasco Park roster, to me anyway. Was it for you? It, it was, and then I really started looking at it. I mean, if you look at the Prasco Park or the uh, the Great American Ballpark roster, it's got Shogo, it's got Castellanos, Philip Urban, Mark Payton, Nixon Zell, Jesse Winker, and Josh Van Meter, who's listed as an infielder, right. but it's also infield outfielder. I mean, that's that's seven outfielders on yeah. on that side of the roster. If you look at the Prasco Park roster, there's is that five outfielders. Uh, I mean, it's they've got they've got a ton of outfielders, and you can't just put everybody in one place. Um, especially if the plan is to kind of do some intra-squad games here and there, uh, which it sounds like they're going to do. Um, and, you know, at first they're probably not going to bring all the guys from Prasco Park to Great American Ballpark and let the two squads face off. They'll probably do some weird hybrid kind of games uh, at their own parks just to, for the first week or so to kind of get back in shape. You need to have a, a relatively, you know, even roster in terms of, you know, this many catchers, this many infielders, this many outfielders, um, just to be able to do things like that. Yeah, yeah, no question. I just, uh, Aquino was a guy that, and, and here's where our analysis of the roster is going to change now that there's going to be a designated hitter in 2020. He was a guy that I loved the idea of. I, I, didn't, I never saw him as a starter. And I said before the offseason, if we come into the season and he's projected to be the starter in right field, the Reds are probably not not accomplished what they wanted to accomplish in the offseason. Well, that wasn't going to be the case after they acquired uh, Castellanos and Shogo Akiyama. And I still love saying Shogo Akiyama. Uh, and I have people telling me I need to say it uh, in the fashion of uh, Lisa Alberto, but I'm not going to do that just yet because I respect Shogo too much. But he was a guy that I loved the idea of having him on the on the bench, you know, fourth, fifth outfielder, and just being able to hammer balls in, in late innings. And, you know, that's not probably not going to be as important in 2020 as we expected it would be because with the designated hitter, there's going to be fewer opportunities to pinch hit. You're not pinch hitting for pitchers. And so, uh, you know, I think his value probably dropped. I still like him over Philip Irvin. I like him over Mark Payton. But, I, you know, it's not unreasonable to put him, you know, in the same camp as those and then maybe slightly behind, depending on what you're looking for. And, uh, so. and uh, unlike those guys, he can't be like, – he can be optioned. I, mm. I think that's a, that's a big factor too. That's a good point. Yeah, Irvin can't be optioned. He's out of options, and Payton is a, a Rule 5 guy. Good point. But when we get to the 30-man roster, do you – see Aquino being on that roster? I don't think I do. Uh, not unless there's an injury or a, a, a COVID-19 injury list that we'll never find out about. Right. Yeah, yeah, and maybe to more than one player. Because you're right, yeah. I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys on that Great American Ballpark roster that can play outfield. Well, I mean, Cassiano's can allegedly play outfield. Right. I, I, I'd be surprised if he saw a ton of time in the outfield given the uh, designated hitter's existence in 2020 for the National League, but... But yeah, I mean, if, if push comes to shove, he can play outfield. <laughs> what, what I like about the designated hitter, and we've talked about how, uh, a lot of people talk about how the designated hitter actually helps the Reds more than a lot of teams because, you know, the Reds have some of those guys that can fill that spot. And, and you can find 10 really good hitters to put in a lineup every day. And what I like about it, it's going to get you guys like Senzel in the lineup more often, uh, you know. And I see three guys that I think are going to get almost all the DH at bats. And those are 
Nick Castellanos, although the Reds refer to him still as Nicholas on their summer camp roster. What's that all about? I thought he wanted to go by Nick. That's what they were told. That's what we were all told in the offseason. So I don't know. Maybe somebody filling out the roster didn't get the memo. Maybe he changed his mind again. I don't know. Maybe he's just pushing to get the, somebody to get, hang the nickname St. Nicholas on him. You think so? I, I, I won't put it past him. All right. So Castellanos, Jesse Winker, and Joey Votto. I think those are the three guys that are going to play most of the get most of the at bats at designated hitter. Uh, anyone else we should be thinking about? And do you think that? Uh, and, and and what do you think about the DH for the Reds in twenty twenty? I mean, I, I think those are the three guys. I mean, sh- unless there's a situation where you know somebody's got maybe you know a hamstring that's bothering them or something, and you know let's let's just throw it out there. Say Mike Mustakis, right? You know he he gets slide in there because you could slide Josh Van Meter in at second base or something like that. Uh, but assuming everybody's healthy and you know, the Reds are, I mean, they're, they're pretty much going to have to, I mean, not have to, but they're going to pick between those three guys, right? Because they're, you know, Winker and Castellanos aren't exactly known for their defense and the Reds have good defensive options for that. And those guys can both hit. And then Joey Votto, I mean, he, at first base, uh, well, I mean, that's the guy that you're going to DH most of the time in normal situations, other than your designated hitter in the American league is your old aging first baseman because the defensive value doesn't make too much of a difference, and the guy can usually still hit a little bit. Yeah, yeah. you know, I, I think the, the, it only helps the Reds. I hate the designated hitter. I've <laughs> long said that. I'm not going to argue for it. I hate it, but I do think it probably does help us. And I just like the idea that we can get, because of this, we can get Akiyama, we can get Castellanos, we can get Senzel, we can get Winker all in the lineup at the same time. And, you know, there was a lot of uh, you know, people were upset about, oh, what are the Reds going to do in the outfield? Too many outfielders. First of all, that's a, ridiculous. You can never have too many good players. But uh, this kind of solves a little bit of that problem, you know. And, and when it, when it's Votto playing uh, de- designated hitter, then you can, you know, you got Winker and Castellanos can play first base. So you can really get those bats in the lineup and keep them in the lineup for the vast majority of those 60 games. And that has to be an advantage for this team. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, th- I think that the, of all the National League teams, the Reds are probably the one most prepared to play by American League rules. <laughs> Because we've got a bunch of guys who can't play defense. And those guys can also hit. <laughs> exactly. Let's, let's, let's be fair, Chad. Let's be fair. <laughs> it's true, they right? also hit. <laughs> oh, no question about it. I love the fact that, I love the idea that we can have Castellanos bat in the lineup and not have to worry about, you know, he's not a good fielder, whatever. He, that's who he is as a player. But we can still get maximize the value that we get out of him. All right. Let's look at this uh, Great American Ballpark roster. And we're not going to run through everybody, obviously. You can go uh, look at the redlegnation.com where Doug broke the roster down. But there are only four guys on the roster that were non-roster guys, not on the 40-man roster. And I look at that and I see one of them, I think, that will actually end up making the... It's a 30-man roster to begin the season. It'll drop to, I think, 28, and then it'll drop to 26. But let's let's talk about the 30-man roster to begin the season. I think only one of these four non-roster guys actually is going to make the make the roster. But I do think one of them will. Uh, those four are Matt Davidson, the aforementioned, Nate Jones, p- relief pitcher, Sal Romano, pitcher, Tyler Thornburg, pitcher. Do you think any of those four make the roster? I believe that two of them have a shot at making the roster. I think that one will. I'm, I think I know who you said the second one is, but go ahead and tell us who you're two. I'm going to go with Nate Jones and Sal Romano. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Jones is almost a lock unless he's injured. Yeah, in, in my opinion, he's he, he's he's the one that I would put as my favorite uh, to make the roster out of all those guys. Romano's had options, right? Um, is he? 
He is a, well. It doesn't matter because he's a non-roster invite. Oh, there you go. Doesn't matter. You're right. See, this is why I keep you around, Doug Gray, because I don't yeah. understand the rules. <laughs> My whole life is enforcing rules, but I don't understand them. You enforce the rules that matter, Chad. Oh, Do you see the difference? This is true. This yes. is true. Um, yeah, yeah, Sal Romano, and Romano's a guy that I could see helping the bullpen. Frankly, you know, it'd be interesting to see how many relievers they take early on. But he's a guy that. One of these kind of swing guys that could give you some innings in the middle middle innings, and if he's throwing well, I mean, he throws hard. I don't know. I like Sal Romano. Yeah, that that was that was my thinking with it. Just you know, if if they need an extra guy that they feel you know can give you two or three innings, just because you're not asking, you're not going to ask your starter to do that. You need more innings to fill. He's a former starter. You know, he's a guy that could give you two or three innings on on you know every three days or so if you needed that. Yeah, no question. So. Now, what's the deal with Matt Davidson? I the guy's got power. Um, that's that's the deal with Matt Davidson, I guess. I, yeah. I I don't I don't know. I mean, I I I'm glad he's in the organization. I think he's got some value uh, as depth, but uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not really counting on him to do too much for Cincinnati this year, just because. You know, I mean, ho- hopefully they don't need him. I mean, he plays first base and third base, and well, we know who the Reds have there. So let's hope that they don't need Matt Davidson at any point this year. That's a good way to put it. Uh, you know, God bless Joey Votto and Eugenio Suarez. Don't get hurt. Or sick, uh, because uh, I don't know. I, I feel Votto's. I, I feel good about Votto this year. I, I don't know if that's a common theme. If people believe that, but I think Votto's due to have one of these late uh, career. I hate that it's just in sixty games, but I think he's. I think he's going to be good this year. He's not going to be the old Votto. He never will be again because so very few players are peak with Joey Votto. But I think he's going to be good this year. Wait, how you feeling about Joey Votto? I, I'm hoping for the best. Um... I, I think he'll be better than he was last year, but I, I don't know if I'm as uh, enthusiastic about my belief about how good he'll be compared to you. But but he's Joey Votto. He is Joey Votto. That's true. I like Joey Votto. I love me some Joey Votto. I just, I'm a pessimistic person, I guess, Chad. Do you think Joey Votto would be my friend if I met him? I mean, I I have no issues with you. I think you're a pretty fine fella, so sure. Hunter Green doesn't like me. Well, I'm just gonna I'm gonna plead the fifth on this one. <laughs> hey, you know Nick Senzel had a birthday this week. He did. He did. I, I saw that. It was the happy same. Birth- happy birthday, Nick. Well, wait a minute. Hold on. That was the same day as my birthday. You didn't wish me happy birthday. Well, I didn't wish Nick a happy birthday either until just now. So, uh, happy birthday, Chad. Oh, so 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 Nick's more important to you than, than I am. I- well, I, I knew it was his birthday first, which makes me a terrible friend, Chad. I'm sorry. You know, uh, Nixon's and I were actually born the exact same year as well. We're the same age. <laughs> I, I do not believe you. It's true. It's true. We're both 17 years old or something well, I'll, like that. I'll say I know that's not true. I, know, <laughs> I definitely know how old Nixon Zell is. Uh, I don't, yeah. I don't, so you're, let's just say you're both in your mid-20s. <laughs> oh. No, I don't wish that I were in my mid twenties, but mid thirties I'd take. That shows if that shows how old I am. All right, now I want to look at the Prasco Park roster, and uh, someone I think it was a C Trent on his uh, podcast, C Trent Rosecrans. I think I heard. I haven't heard the podcast. Somebody told me that they dubbed this uh, Camp David Bell out there, um, and I, which I thought was pretty clever. But uh, I want you to look at that roster right now, and I want to discuss. I think there are one, two, three, four players, maybe five, 
that have a chance of playing on the big league roster this year. Now, can, let's, let's just go, uh, if you've got it in front of you, let's just look at that roster, and I want you to tell me which ones you think, and let's talk about individually about the players that you think have a chance to make that roster. I'll start. My first one, Nicola Dolo, last year's first-round pick. Uh, left-handed pitcher, I think he's got a chance to, depending on what happens, to get on this roster, kind of for the same reason we were talking about Hunter Green. What are your thoughts about Nick Lodolo? Uh, now, are we talking makes the team out of whatever the heck this next three weeks is or just be on the team at some point this year? A chan- just be- a chance to play at, at okay. some point this year, yeah. Okay, then yes, I'm on, I'm on board with Nick Lodolo. Um, not that I don't think that he could actually make the team if they were truly going to go with the best 30 players because – uh, you put that guy's arm in the bullpen, I think that it's going to work really well. Um, but I, I think that they'll probably lean a little bit more towards the, the veteran guys that have been around a little bit to start the season. But, I mean, Nicol Dolo was the number one pick last year for a reason. He was the first pitcher taken last year for a reason. Uh, lefty, mid-90s, especially in, in short stints. Uh, two really good breaking balls, solid changeup, throws a ton of strikes. What's not the like, Chad? Yeah, no, that's a guy that I could see uh, really making an impact again in the bullpen. Uh, although his hopefully his long range value is going to reign in the rotation. So Lodolo, I think, has a chance. Tell me somebody on this uh, Prasco Park roster. Uh, have you first of all, have you ever been to Prasco Park? I have not. I have been to Prasco Park, as I explained in our last podcast. I won't go into that story again. It's a really nice facility. Tell me one other player that you think has a chance to uh, to play on the Reds this year. I only get to pick one, man. Well, pick one now. We're going to keep going. Okay, okay, okay. Well, I'll start I'll start at the top of my list, um, looking at the, the pitcher's column in front of the little screen I've got here. I'm going to go with TJ Antone. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, I mean, he's a guy, you know, coming into the spring, I didn't really think was much more than a fifth starter swingman type of guy. But then he started throwing 97, 98 miles an hour out of nowhere. I mean, he's a guy who last year sat 89 to 92. Uh you pick up five to six miles per hour velocity in the off season. It's going to turn some heads. Absolutely, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, he's a guy. He throws strikes. He's a huge ground ball rate guy. Which you know, maybe he's not anymore. If he's throwing that hard, it might have changed the the movement he gets on his fastball. I'm not sure. Um, but you know, he's got a really good slider. I, I mean, that's. And again, if they need somebody who's going to fill some innings, he's a guy who started his entire career. He can come out there and fill some innings for you in, in middle relief if you want to put him out there and. You know, the, the stuff really picked up in the last year. It, it like Last year, the reports I got were that his slider made huge improvements uh, throughout the season. And, you know, then, he, you know, he went out and found almost elite velocity in the offseason. So uh, I, I think that the Reds are really going to take a look at him at some point this year if, if a spot opens up in the bullpen. And, I mean, it almost always does, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No question. Yeah, he's a guy that if you remember way back to this year's actual first spring training, that had been opening some eyes out there in uh, in Arizona, and yeah, I think that's a guy that absolutely has a chance to to make it on to. And of course, he's on the forty man roster. the th- The next guy that I think has a, uh, I think will play at some point on the big league roster, and we've already talked about, it, so we don't need to t- discuss him too much more. Aristides Aquino, you agree with that? I presume. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> even though the Reds have a million outfielders, odds are somebody's going to get injured at some point because. It happens. Yeah, they they they're they're playing a professional sport. It it happens. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, who's the who's the next guy on this uh, Prasco Park uh, roster that you think has a chance to play? Uh, Jose De Leon. Jose De Leon. Interesting. Tell us the case for Jose De Leon. 
Well, I mean, much like TJ Antone, he picked up some velocity in the offseason. And again, just like TJ Antone, he, he, he lost a little bit when he had Tommy John surgery. Um, and that's actually how the Reds wound up getting him. He, he used to be a top, you know, 30 prospect in all of baseball, but got injured. And when he came back off of surgery, the, the velocity wasn't quite the same. But uh, he showed up this spring, you know, sitting 95 miles per hour after not really touching 95 last year. Uh, you know, he's got a plus changeup. And if you're going to be a guy that throws in the mid 90s and you've got a plus changeup, that's a guy that's going to fit into a lot of bullpens. That'll work. Yeah. yeah, that'll play in a major league bullpen. Okay, next one, you know, I don't really have much faith that this guy's actually going to play in the big leagues this year, but a guy that I would, wouldn't would mind seeing. Of course, it's probably going to take an injury to get him there, so I don't want that. But Jose Garcia, shortstop. Uh, do you think he has a chance of, uh, let's say Freddie Galvis gets hurt. Do the Reds try to try to mask it, the, the, the issue with what they've got on the major league roster? I don't know, Alex Blandino or somebody. Or does Jose Garcia get an actual chance to play uh, shortstop in the big leagues? This is where I'm going to be very, very... Uh... Fancy and plug the article that I wrote earlier this week about Jose Garcia uh, over at RedLegNation.com. I read no, it. It's I, good. I, Everybody go read I, it now. I think that it's going to come down to if Freddie Garcia has to – or Freddie uh, Freddy Garcia. <laughs> if Freddie Galvis gets injured and it's more than it's going to be more than a couple of days, that yeah, Jose Garcia is going to be the guy they have to go to because nobody else that can play shortstop has anywhere near the ability to hit in, in, a, in a major league lineup. And maybe Jose Garcia doesn't either. But if anybody has that chance, it's him. Um, now, if it's going to be where you know Freddie Galvis needs you know three or four days off, maybe they go with Alex Blandino or Kyle Farmer or somebody like that, just kind of as a fill-in, and they, they just hope for the best that you know there aren't too many ground balls hit up you know up the middle. Uh, but if it's going to be something that's going to be more than a couple of days, yeah, I think that Jose Garcia is the I mean really the only option at this point on the Reds' 57-man roster or whatever it's at. I guess 55 right now since they have two players that tested positive. Um, but we just don't know who they are yet. Um, you know, they, they can play shortstop for more than a couple of days and do it at the at the major league level that you would expect from a, a real major leaguer. Yeah. Well, other than Galvis, they're really only two that can handle it defensively, I think, uh, on the longer term, which would be Jose Garcia and Alfredo Rodriguez. But I don't think anyone thinks Rodriguez's bat plays in the big leagues or if it, or who knows if it ever will. But um I w- I'd be interested to see if Garcia gets that shot. And we, uh, you're you're right. We don't know that his bat will, but... There are some encouraging signs in terms of what he did last year in the minor leagues. So, is there anyone you know, else? The, go ahead. I was gonna say, I, among the actual guys that can play shortstop, he's the one that can hit the ball out of the infield. So, <laughs> there's that. That's pretty good. That's pretty good talent to have. I never had that talent in baseball. Yeah, yeah, that's that's why we podcast about the Reds instead of play for the Reds. Exactly. Now, is there anyone else on this Prasco Park roster? I think I maybe see one that I think has a chance, depending on what happens. Uh, but do you see anyone else that you think has a chance to play in the big leagues this year? If we're speaking solely about guys who aren't going to get the opportunity because injuries create a situation for them, I'll say Ryan Hendricks. Uh, right-handed reliever, I mean, he throws mid to upper 90s, incredible breaking ball. You know, in the past, he's, he's struggled at times to throw strikes, but, I mean, this stuff absolutely plays. And, you know, if he's working with, you know, the big league guys, he maybe somebody can give him that little tip that, you know, improve the control just, just a smidge. And if that happens, I mean, he's got everything you want to see out of a guy who can pitch in the late innings. The other guy I thought it was uh, Scott Shebler, who, you know, sort of your prototypical 4A guy, who's had some success in the big leagues. And, leagues, and you know, we, li- we like Scott Shebler here, but probably going to take, which is uh, an injury or four to get him in the big leagues. But that's a, you know, that's a function of the Reds having so many good outfielders. 
not a bad thing with Scottie Edwards, you know, eighth or ninth on your depth chart, but uh, but he could could play in the big leagues in the right situation, I guess. I mean, yeah, but also no. Um, I'm pretty sure that Scott Shebler's out of options, so if he doesn't make the opening day roster, uh, I mean, he'll be out there on waivers for anybody to take, and if somebody decides that, hey, you know, maybe we'll take a chance on him, he's not going to be available to the Reds. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, maybe nobody will take a chance on him, and the Reds can, you know, just send him back to the Prasco Park roster, and he'll be available if they need him. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if no one did take a a flyer. But then again, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if someone did. I mean, the guy hit 30 home runs in the big leagues at one point, so... Uh, he just uh, uh we like Scott Shebler. The guy that yeah, I yeah. Oh, go ahead. The guy that I really wanted to see play in the big leagues this year. I mean, like I seriously uh, was excited to see this guy play in the big leagues this year because I was hopeful that he would get a chance, start in AAA, and then get a chance. So at least when rosters expanded in September, uh, it was Tyler Stevenson, Reds former Reds first round pick catcher, and uh, he's a guy that similar to Jose Garcia, could get a chance if there's a long-term injury to Tucker Barnhart or Kurt Casale, but that's probably the only path he has to the big leagues. Because if it's a short-term thing, they'll probably just pretend that Kyle Farmer can play the position for a few days. But uh, I really want to see Styler Stevenson in a Reds uniform sooner rather than later. So do you see him similar to, to Jose Garcia in that sense? Yeah, I think so. I, like you said, if, if if they can just go with Kyle Farmer as the backup, They'll probably do that. Um, I mean, the, the only the only other thing I could see is if, you know, for whatever, I mean, I want to say for whatever reason, I, it makes total sense to me that Tyler Stevenson goes out to Prasco Park and just goes on an absolute tear and all their practice. He looks like, you know, he he's ready, uh, you know, with, with all due respect to the guys that are currently playing catcher uh, for the Cincinnati Reds. If Tyler Stevenson takes that next step, I mean, I think that everybody feels that he's quote unquote the future. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, if he if he's out there, you know, showing everybody he's ready, you know, maybe they'll just say, hey, we think that, you know, we're we're in this to win it this year. Let's just do it. Yeah, right. If he ends up uh, fulfilling expectations, he's I love Tucker Barnhart. I love Kirk Casale, but Stevenson's, you know, above them on the depth chart. If he you know, becomes what he we hope he can be. Uh, the biggest reason well, I want. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay. And it's not even like he would have to take over full time. I mean, you know, you just bring him up and, you know, maybe he gets three starts a week. Yeah. You know, just because you are going for it. And, you know, it's not like we don't know that catchers take a beating. Even in 60 games, they're going to take 30 foul balls off of their body a week. You know, and it's also midsummer. You're out there wearing all of this gear. It 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 still takes a big toll on your body even over a, you know, 60 game season. Yeah, well, I, need rest. <laughs> I'm ahead of the curve, frankly, because uh, I'm not really much of a of uh, what I would call a hardcore gamer. But uh, I've played a little bit of this MLB the show this year, just because we didn't have any real baseball. So I got my son wanted the game, so I got it, and we played a little bit. And, and so they have this thing where you can put together your team. You know, you get uh, packs of cards and you build your team. And uh, Diamond Dynasty, it's called. And uh, the catcher on my on my team, Tyler Stevenson. There you go. Just because I'm, you know, I'm not smart, obviously, but. Um, so I've got a guy that, you know, played in double A last year as my starting catcher, but you know, Johnny bench is my backup. So mm, Johnny bench is a little old. I'd, I'd look for another backup. Don't you think Johnny bench could still probably, uh, you know, hit, I don't know, 15 home runs. I mean, I don't know how much, how much blue emu, emu yeah, blue emu oil does he have? <laughs> That's all that he needs, man. Uh, all then, that he then, needs. Then yes. Yes. 15 <laughs> home runs is not out of the question. Before we answer some uh, viewer mail, anyone else on the Prasco Park roster you can see having any kind of an impact on the big league level? I don't. 
No, not really. And I mean, and that's not to say that nobody could, but nobody jumps out to me like, oh, this guy, th- it's the one. Not even Boog Pal? Not even Boog Pal. What a great name. It, I, mean, it is a, I mean, he's a thief for taking the name, but, you know, it's that's true. still a good name. That's true. All right, so that's the uh, the roster. It is what it is. I feel like it's a pretty good roster, but what's going to happen? Uh, what else did uh, Nick Crawl say about the roster? Anything interesting? I'm trying to look here. I have some of his quotes. I mean, he basically just, you know, he he tried to, you know, play the whole anybody can make the roster. These aren't two separate teams kind of thing. And, you know, I mean, he's not wrong. I mean, obviously he's not wrong. It's He kind of gets, I don't want to say final say, but he's got a lot of sway in the room of final say on who gets to make the roster. But, uh. You know, he he did want to try and really make a point that you know guys that are at Prasco have a legitimate shot of making the team. So yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, whatever. I I guess we can believe him on that point uh, if you want. But uh, the fact that they only put fifty seven on there makes me think there's there's still going to be some movement uh, at some point, and uh, it'd be interesting to see what that movement entails. So keep an eye on that. Well, let me let me throw this out there. This is the one thing that I've got. Uh, you know, you cannot tra- you cannot make trades. This year, unless you're trading from somebody, or trading somebody that's on your 60-man roster, well, that means you can't trade minor league guys for major league guys unless they're on your 60-man roster. Having a few open spots means that if someone is interested in a minor leaguer that you don't have on your roster right now, you can add them and then trade them away. Yeah. The Reds, you have to imagine, are going into this, you know, 60-game season thinking that hey, we're going for it, uh, and so you know maybe that's kind of one of their situations where they're like, okay, well, if we do. If someone becomes available that we feel could improve our chances, we can add a player down the road that we can trade for said player who's not currently here. Yeah. You're, you're talking so about trading for Francisco Lindor, obviously. I mean, I wasn't going to say it out loud and jinx it, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Just some flexibility. And, uh, you know, and, and there aren't, I guess, Hunter Green's the only guy I would like to see there. Even Dietrich doesn't really bother me that much. But uh, keeping some spots open for some flexibility for things like that down the road, I, I think it's just it's a perfectly fine idea. Now, we have a few uh, viewer mail questions I want to get to. But first, uh, the one thing I wanted to talk about you, because for so many years, you've been the uh, the minor league guru in Reds baseball world. Uh, the minor league baseball season was canceled, essentially. It was officially, official, we, all, we all knew it was coming, but officially it's uh, it's done. And what does this mean for the minor leagues? And, and how sad is it for you individually? Well, I mean, if we're going to be real, individually it kind of sucks because, you know, I, I make a living covering, covering minor league baseball partially. So that that does suck. Um, but as far as what it means to minor league baseball, it's weird because it's been the worst-kept secret on the planet that minor league baseball wasn't going to have their season canceled for at least the last two months. Anybody who had been paying any sort of attention knew that it was going to happen. It just hadn't been officially announced yet. Um, but what really sucks is it comes along – the same time that Major League Baseball is trying to eliminate those 40-plus teams. Um, you know, teams like the Billings Mustangs, who have been the Reds affiliate since 1974, they may have played their final game of affiliated baseball uh, without really having a chance to say goodbye. I mean, it, I don't think that they're necessarily going to go away in terms of having baseball, but affiliated baseball, they may have played their final game without really knowing it. Um because they're on the list of teams that are, or at least were speculated upon, of being, you know, moved out of affiliated baseball. Um, and that sucks. That really sucks. Uh, so I don't, the, just the whole confluence of everything is, 
is really weird right now uh, when it comes to minor league baseball. Yeah, you know, I had a conversation just today with uh, with a friend, acquaintance of mine, who's really not a big baseball fan, but was lamenting the fact that the Appalachian League may be done forever. Because uh, where we live here, the Appalachian League, Rookie League, obviously, and the Reds have a team in the Appalachian League, Greenville. Uh, but it's been kind of an institution around here for, for so many years. And this was somebody that just as a... Just talking about as a, from a civic standpoint, you know, thing for for kids to do and for families to do. It's always been kind of a thing to go out to the ballpark and uh, you know watch watch a ball game. And you don't know any of the players most of the time because we're not all Doug Gray. Uh, but you know we can't all be Doug Gray. That'd be just an impossible dream. But he was just saying, you know, this is, it just stinks that we might not have Appalachian League. It's always been here and uh, and now it may be no more. Now uh, you and I talked before we started recording and. I guess I'm hopeful that something will pop up. The Appalachian League, maybe, uh, or some form of the Appalachian League, will be a an independent league, or they'll lose something to still have that. But the point this guy was making was he was asking, "Do you think it hurts like the the ability for Major League Baseball to grow baseball fans, kind of on the local level, if you don't have those teams? Do, do you do you have that sense that that might be it might be a problem in terms of just growing the game from the bottom up? Because it doesn't seem like Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball really cares about that." I mean, I definitely agree with both your friend and your comment there at the end that it doesn't seem like Major League Baseball or Rob Manfred actually care about it. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it is a problem um, basically taking away access to you know, high-level baseball from fans all around the country. Um, I mean, I grew up my entire life in Cincinnati, so I didn't grow up with minor league baseball, so it's not— Hold on, hold on, hold on. Most of your life, yes, you did. The Reds were basically playing minor league baseball. That's very rude, Chad. I'm sorry, but it's true. Anyway, Uh, go ahead. I interrupted you. But, yeah, you know, I I don't have that personal connection, but I know so many people who do. And that was what made them fall in love with the game as a child. And they've stuck around forever now. And, yes, it is a little bit different now than it was in, say, I mean, when when both of us were children, Chad, because we didn't have MLB.TV. We could only watch. I mean, I remember how big of a deal it was when uh, Sports Channel, Ohio had like you know they got they finally got more than thirty games right, of yeah. the, the the red season like that was a huge deal when they went up to forty four games a year and you know nowadays we can watch every single Reds game on Fox Sports Ohio or MLB TV and we can do that for every team you know unless you live in Iowa and you somehow don't have a team in Iowa but you're blacked out of six teams but that's a different story for a different day definitely you know. but there, there's a big difference between watching it on your phone or on your laptop or your television and going out and experiencing the game. And I, I think that that's a big problem that, you know, for some reason, the people in charge of Major League Baseball don't seem to grasp. Yeah, some of the best times I've ever had watching baseball have been at some of these minor league statements. I've been to a ton of them, uh, maybe not as many as you, but, uh, you know, uh, over the years, if there's a if, I, if I'm somewhere and there's a, a minor league stadium close by, I made a point to go to go see it. And, and some of my, my favorite times watching baseball is just sitting back and, you know, there's the, the famous George Carlin routine about the baseball versus football. And, you know, you, you go to a football game, but you take in a baseball game. And there's something special about sitting at a, at a, in a minor league ballpark with players that you mostly don't know. You may know one or two of them or, or more, but but mostly just uh, unknown players. But you're at the ballpark and you got a dog and, 
it's just there's something there's something special about being able to go to these uh, parks. And the minor league has done a, minor league baseball has done a great job over the years of really improving the the fan experience of these games, and it's a really great product. And I just I don't like the idea that it's going to go away, and it's not going to go away, but that it's even going to be minimized because MLB doesn't prioritize it. And I understand. I've said for a long time that I don't think I think that you can make a great argument that it's a terribly inefficient way of developing players for the big leagues. But it's just a for for baseball fans and creating fans. It just seems like a great way to to pull fans into that experience and uh, and, and sort of cement baseball as a, as a part of people's lives on the local level. And I just I don't know. I get why baseball doesn't care. Because, because, you know, it's Rob Manfred. We can complain about him and that bunch of owners all we want. And we could spend another 10 podcasts talking about that. But I don't know. I'm just, uh, I lament the fact that the minor leagues are never going to be what they have been ever again. Yeah. And, you know, with, with the way things are going right now, and, you know, minor league baseball teams are, they make their money selling tickets and selling merchandise when you walk through those gates. And they're, nobody's getting that this year. And, you know, some teams are, you know, they've been able to be a little bit more creative. And especially if you're in a bigger town, you have more people to draw in for your events that you are hosting or able to host at your ballpark. Uh, like, let's take a town like Greenville, for example. So it's a small college town that doesn't have college students during the summer. So, you know, they're literally drawing from a very small portion of people. What kind of events can they put on versus, say, former Red double AA Philip Pensacola Blue Wahoos who have been just absolutely killing it with the events that they've put on in their ballpark. Um, you know, it, it's a team like Pensacola can, you know, probably bring in enough revenue to keep, you know, things running. You know, a team like the Greenville Reds, they may not be able to. Now, since they're owned by the Reds, of course they can if they want to because they've got the backing of a Major League Baseball team. But one of the concerns that, you know, we've brought up by uh, minor league baseball president pat o'connor in a baseball america article i think it was two days ago um you know he said that about 50 teams may have to either file for bankruptcy or sell because they just they can they can't continue to exist without having any games this year you know the the plan was you know before all of this happened that the teams that major league baseball was going to quote unquote you know cut out of affiliated baseball they were going to work with them to try and get them some sort of baseball to stay in their towns whether it was, you know a college wooden bat summer league or you know help them develop a an independent league of their own um you know things like that but if these teams can't exist because they don't have the money to exist next year because of what happened this year you know those those towns don't have baseball anymore yeah it's uh yeah i i, I worry about the the baseball fans in Bristol, Tennessee, uh, the baseball fans in Pulaski, Virginia, and in communities like that all across the country, who've had these teams as as part of their summers for ever, yeah. and it's not going to be there. And it just it's it's not a good situation. Whether whether you you, you love minor league baseball or whether you're minor league baseball is your living, uh, if you make a living doing it, and a lot of people do make a living doing that. It's just from a fan perspective, it's just there's nothing good about it as far as I can tell. Agreed. Yeah, let's answer some viewer mail questions, then we'll wrap this one up. What do you think, Bill? Bill? I just called you Bill. What do you think, Doug? I mean, I... Sure, let's let's go with that. Bill. You're Bill from now on. Oh, well, you know. I've, I've been called much worse. <laughs> I, I, you've not met Bill Lack. You've never been called anything worse than Bill. I've met Bill Lack probably five times. <laughs> That's true, but still. Uh, 
you're trying to be nice. That's a bad thing for me to say to you. And I apologize <laughs> to you. Um, oh, and Bill, I'm, don't don't take this personally at all. Chad is <laughs> Chad's just in a bad mood right now. I think <laughs> I'm gonna get a nasty text from Bill Lack uh, sometime next day or two. Okay, so these questions are gonna come from Patreon.com/slash/RedLegRadio. Uh, that's where you can uh, support the Red Leg Nation Radio pirate ship and uh this uh this thing we've created and uh really appreciate all of you that have already and if you want to have your questions uh get priority here at red Nation radio that's where you can go to get it now the first question comes from our friend sydney price sydney asks favorite pizza topping you got a favorite pizza topping doug gray i mean i like i like the pizza with a lot of toppings but if i only had to pick one and i'm going to assume that cheese does not count uh, i'm going to go with pepperoni <laughs> Okay, it's a solid pick. I mean, it's the classic, right? Yeah. Um, here's my answer to that: meat. Fair enough. Just meat. I'm, I, yeah, I mean, if if I have the choice, I'm I'm picking a meat lovers everywhere I go. Yeah, that's the best pizza. That's the best pizza. All right. Thanks for the question, Sydney. Next comes from our friend Joe Farsing. Uh, wait a minute, he's not really our friend, but he is. You know, I got to pretend like I like him because he's a <laughs> he's a patron. Uh, Joe asks. This question. Apparently, flying snakes are a real thing, and I'm 100% not cool with that. If you could eradicate one creature from the planet, what would it be? Let's break that down. Are flying snakes really a real thing? Is that something that's been in the news lately or something? I, I, I did see a tweet uh, about that, I believe, yesterday, and I'm never leaving my house again. So oh, 2020 can take a hike. Flying that's snakes right. Now. So there's only really one answer to this one correct answer if you disagree i'll let you say what uh i'll let you give your incorrect answer but if you could eradicate one creature from the planet what would it be obviously cardinals i mean that's not the worst answer but i'm still going with spiders because i'm terrified that's not true i will kill a spider i just don't want to ever see them i don't want them on me um arachnophobia it ruined my brain you heard so. it here first doug loves the st louis cardinals he would not eradicate them from the planet if he had the chance. See, I told you I've been called worse things than Bill. You just called me a Cardinals fan. That's true. That's true. Hooper Powell asks at, at patreon.com slash redlegradio, if you owned a Major League Baseball team and had to rename and relocate, what's the new name and the new location? Okay, so if I owned a Major League Baseball team and, and had to rename and relocate, I'm not going to say which team we're relocating because whatever. But here's where I would go. I would go to Nashville, Tennessee. I would go to Nashville, Tennessee, and they would be named the Nashville Jason Isbels. Mm. No? I, if that's what you want. I mean, it's your, it's your team. You can do whatever you want. That's where I go. Where do you go? Uh, uh, my team is moving to Scotland, and we are going to be the Loch Ness Monsters. Oh, I like it. I like it. Scotland. Um, what other cities in America you think Las Vegas has got to be up there for a, for a relocation or for a new franchise? Uh, Charlotte. Charlotte is way up there. Uh, um, Austin, Texas, San Antonio, Texas. I, I call it uh, San Antonio. I'm not your boss. You can do whatever you want. Montreal. Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon. Now Portland, Maine. No. Okay. Well, you can go to Nashville. That's fine. That's what we're, we're going. I'm going to Scotland, so. Oh, that's pretty cool too. But uh, I just I, I just really like the idea of having uh, Nessie as a mascot. So, a lot you can do with that one. Absolutely, uh, Nashville is one of the coolest towns on earth. Uh, if you've not been to Broadway on Nashville, you're missing out. Rich Thompson asks us, 
Actually, he doesn't ask us. He asks you specifically, Doug. That's fine. I Rich like Thompson. It. Come on, you're ignoring me, buddy. Here's his question. Doug, are there any other available amateur free agents that you have been following that you wish the Reds would sign? Now, let me say before we begin that I was late getting this post up at the Patreon asking for questions, and I was not unable to give Doug a preview of any of these questions so he could get answers prepared. So uh, I'm going to give you this off the top of your head. Are there any other available amateur free agents you've been following that you wish the Reds would sign? And obviously he's talking about we had the five-round MLB draft, and uh, teams were free to sign amateur free agents with some restrictions after that. Any any names that pop out at you? I mean, not really. And, uh, you know, I'm just to put this out there for anybody who is unaware, you can only sign for $20,000 this year if you went undrafted. And, I mean, with all due respect to the players that have been drafted or uh, have been signed as undrafted free agents, um, anybody who is on anybody's radar, they're not signing for $20,000. Um, unless it's a college senior, really. You've got no incentive. Uh, the sign, yeah, right? and, but but even then, if you're a college senior, I mean, unless for some reason you really, really want to get your professional career started, which you're not going to this year anyways, you can go back to college. Oh, that's right. Yeah, NCAA is going to allow you to come back. So that's a good point. Unless, yeah. unless you're going to play baseball at Boise State, who just canceled uh, their baseball program again this year oh. for next year and moving forward, unfortunately, after literally just bringing it back last season. Screw Boise State. Yeah, that's not very nice of them. I agree. Joe Farsing has another question because he won't leave us alone. Best film noir movie. And he gives a, a, a list of three choices. I love me some film noir. Chinatown, L.A. Confidential, or The Maltese Falcon. Now, Doug, I know you're a fan of movies. Um, have you seen any of those three? Let me repeat them. Chinatown, I, 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 L.A. I Confidential. Seen, I've, and, seen, I've only seen Chinatown, so I really only have one option here. Ooh, Chinatown. You've seen that. Uh, Jack Nicholson, obviously. Um, so you're you're going with China? You don't see L.A. Confidential, really? I have not. I would have thought that'd been in your wheelhouse a little bit. That probably came out when you were in high school or something. I would think. I don't know when it came out, so I can't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I don't know the answer specifically when it did, but it's good. It uh, stars uh, the now uh, canceled uh, Kevin Spacey, and uh, and it's a good movie. It's a good film noir. It's a, a more recent film noir. Chinatown's from, what, late 70s, I guess. Uh, I think Roman Polanski, also now canceled, I think, is the director of that. And uh, So L.A. Confidential came out in 97, so it would have came out when I was in 8th grade. Uh, I don't feel like it, but sure. Well, um, of those three, and I have seen them all, I think if I have to pick from those three, I'm going to go with Doug and say Chinatown. Now, Joe says his choice is L.A. Confidential, which is a good choice. I need to revisit L.A. Confidential. I've actually not watched it in a number of years. But the best film noir movie of all time, and I love me some film noir. I think it really comes down to there, there are two choices. I'm trying to think here to make sure I'm not forgetting something. It comes down to two choices. Laura, directed by Otto Preminger, which is just crazy. But that's not the best. The best ever is a film from 1944. I, I know I'm getting movie nerdy <laughs> on you, Doug. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> Double Indemnity. Double Indemnity, 1944, directed by Billy Wilder, who also did uh, oh, the movie with Marilyn Monroe. Seven Year Itch. Um, Double Indemnity is the classic film noir. It stars uh, Barbara Stanwyck and Fred McMurray. Fred McMurray from uh, My Three Sons. If those, uh, oh. if you had grandmothers who loved My Three Sons like I did, 
Edward G. Robinson. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. If you've not seen it, it you can watch it a hundred times and not come away with it uh, unimpressed. So, Doug, put that on your list to watch. Double Will Indemnity. Do. Rich Thompson has a question, and this is the last question for viewer mail. And i got to say, Rich, I thought we were buds, man. His question is this. Follow-up question for Doug. <laughs> At least it's not for Bill. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Is there one player, and again, this is one that I wish I would given you a chance to uh, think about before. So, Rich, sorry uh, if I didn't uh, prepare Doug because this is one that he probably needed to think about a little bit. But maybe not. Is there one player from this past draft that the Reds didn't take when they had the chance that you wished they had? Uh, there's always somebody, I think, in every draft that you could say that, especially in retrospect. But is there anybody that jumps out for you, Doug, with me just kind of dropping this on you? <laughs> I mean, not exactly. There were a lot. I mean, the draft was very deep this year. Um, there were probably five or six guys that I'd have been perfectly fine with the Reds taking. Uh, they wound up with Austin Hendrick, who was definitely one of those guys. Um, you know, it's I don't I don't know with with so little to go on this year, especially from you know the, the college players where you know you're you're drafting more on performance over tools, whereas with the high school guys you're pretty much going tools because they're performing against guys that probably aren't going to play college baseball anyways. Uh, so you, you don't, you don't really have that, that same baseline. Um, but you know, the junior year is usually when a lot of college guys take that big step for whatever reason it is, you know, pitchers, hitters, both of them doesn't really matter. They, they usually take that big step and we didn't really get to see a lot of guys do that. So, you know, I, I, I'm happy with where they went and nobody really jumped out. Like there was a clear, Oh my gosh, you know, this guy's the best player available. You have to take him kind of guy. We're happy with Austin Hendricks, though, right? Very much so. Yeah. I wanted to see him on the 60-man roster just to get him working with the big league guys. And, uh, you know, I think it would be important for him to have a chance to, to sort of, you know, hang around these guys. And I thought it would be, if there's if there were space, to have him up there. Yeah, the, I, I, I wasn't exactly expecting him, but it wouldn't have surprised me. Uh, you know, some teams, the Oakland Athletics, for example, added a 17-year-old to their 60-man roster. Now, p- clearly for pure developmental reasons. The guy's never played a professional game in his life. Uh, he's one of the top prospects uh, last year in the summer for the international signings. Um, but, you know, the Reds didn't really seem to bring anybody to camp uh, they did, yeah. who who was, you know, not going to be in double-A AA or triple-A as it was, uh, which, which that surprised me. Uh, you know, Dick Williams had mentioned... Uh, before they released the roster that, you know, they did have a few quote unquote developmental spots that they thought they were going to fill. And I mean, I guess technically, you know, you can say a guy like Jose Garcia, Nick Lodolo, you know, Stuart Fairchild, Jonathan Nia, those guys kind of fit that developmental role. But those are also guys that even in a regular season were going to be in the conversation for call-ups at some point if an opportunity arose for them. They were going to be in double-A and triple-A this year. Those are, you know, they're your top prospects. Um, you know, other teams were bringing in guys that were drafted this year out of high school because they wanted to give them development. But, uh, you know, Nick Crawl in one of his meetings with the local media mentioned that, you know, uh, Hendricks, he, he's far away. Uh, he needs to kind of get back in baseball shape. And I don't think that that was necessarily, you know, saying he's out of shape. But, you know, he's a high school kid. He didn't play at all this year. Yeah. Uh, he played no games. And so, you know, it, it's a very big jump for him to go from the last time he faced good pitching was last August. You know, all of a sudden he's facing T.J. Antone and Jose De Leon in practice every day. Uh, good luck, kid. Like, yeah, but that's kind of another reason why I thought that it might make sense to bring a guy like that in is because he hasn't been on the field that much. I mean, he's been working out, obviously. 
but uh, you know, he didn't get a, a senior season in high school, and so I thought, well, let's, let's get him on the field and at least get him get him working with the, some of these big league instructors or or guys closer to the big league organization. But but again, I, I, it kind of makes sense. You're right. There's no one on this 57 man roster who you have to squint too hard to to see them having a chance to play in the big leagues. Uh, there, there are none of those developmental guys, and I guess that's uh, Hunter Green and, and Austin Hendricks both fall into that category. But I would love to see both of those guys. Uh, I don't think we'll see Hendricks, but uh, Green we might. But I, I think it makes a lot of sense if you have sp- room on the roster to bring guys like that. Uh, but it is what it is. The Reds are smarter than me, I think, maybe. I mean, I, I'm going to go ahead and say they are smarter than I am, so I'll just uh, I'll say that they know better than I do, even though I, I'm kind of with you in the sense that you know I, I would have – if I were picking out the roster, I would have had a few pure developmental guys in there. Um, and maybe Hendrick was one of those guys. And there was a few other guys on top of my head that I'd have brought in um, for similar reasons. They just haven't played in a very long time. And I feel that it would be very beneficial to get them some sort of playing time and development on the field, even if it's not in quote unquote games. Well, you know, you, that you've just given me the first question. I, I've been going uh correspond a little bit with uh, Dick Williams, Reds uh, president of baseball operations about coming back on the podcast again, friend of the podcast. And that's going to be one of the first questions I ask him. Where, where the heck is Austin Hendricks? Why isn't he here? Crazy man. <laughs> maybe phrase it a little bit oh, differently. You think so? Maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Okay. He, he is. I mean, you, you, you do what you want. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you guys apparently, I mean, I know your best friends, you know, went to the same, same school. We're Wahoos. Yeah. You both, you both love baseball. Both very smart, intelligent men. I mean, you do what you want to do. Well, I, I may consider rephrasing that, but uh, he is an FOP, a friend of the podcast, as are all of you who are listening. Thank you so much for joining us for Red Leg Nation Radio, another episode. I'm excited that we're finally getting back to the point where we can start talking about things that are actually happening on the field, and I hope that lasts for uh, throughout the through the end of the season. I hope we get a full season uh, as, as it is, you know, 60 games or what. You can follow us uh, on Twitter at Redleg Radio. He's at DougDirt24 on Twitter. I'm not on Twitter, so don't even look for me. You can uh, go to patreon.com slash redlegradio where you can support the podcast. And really appreciate everybody that has been supporting the podcast. And you're all welcome to join us over there. We're having a good time on our Slack channel and uh, and talking about the Reds, especially as things are getting a little bit uh, closer to maybe some actual baseball. You need to go to redlegnation.com every single day where we've been talking and writing about the Reds and discussing them since 2005. Doug, you have any final thoughts for us? Go Reds. Go Reds. Man, really, for real, it's time. Time for the Reds to go. So go. For Doug Gray and who, who's, who else this week? For Doug Gray and... Bill said, Lack. I mean, I, I feel like we gotta we got to talk about Bill. <laughs> we, we were talking about him enough, so... For Doug Gray and Bill Lack, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.